Thank you for checking out the podcast of Eastern Assembly of God in Baltimore, Maryland. If you would like more information about our church, please visit us at www.easternassembly.org. Eastern. Praise God. It's so good to be with you guys. Um, thank you so much, Pastor Rachel. Um, so good to be with you guys. Uh, I got in uh, yesterday, and I want to I tell you, I listened to last week's message. How many of you were here for last week's uh, message? All right. If you didn't, if you di- weren't here for it live, listen to it online. But I will tell you what it cost me to do. When I got to the hotel yesterday, I did check around the bed to make sure that uh, Pastor Ed and, and Pastor Rachel didn't uh, didn't yeah didn't plant anything around there. So, and if you don't get that joke, you need to listen to last week's message. Uh, I, I really, when I heard that, I, I heard that, and I said, you. You know what? I think I could like this guy. This is this this is my type of people right there. Um, we've had the privilege. I've though I've never got to meet Pastor Ed and Pastor Rachel up until yesterday. Um, we share friends. So um, our friends, uh, Dr. Gary Kellner. I believe Dr. Gary Kellner has, has spoken here before at the church, as well as my pastor, Pastor Dell Everett. And uh, so we have we have acquaintances together. So it's an honor and absolute privilege to be with you guys this morning. I'm excited about what God has in store for you, for all of us. Now, um, we have a ministry called True Mission, um, and you want if you want to check out some information about us, we have lots of resources. Our heart is to help people discover the mission of God on their life and for them to get involved in their mission. I, be- I truly believe with 100% of my heart that every one of us have been called into the mission field. Every one of us have a calling of God upon our life. Now, we have to unlock that calling, and that's what we do at True Mission as we help people unlock that calling. We help help them discover the tools and resources to be the kingdom leaders that, they, that God has called us to be. So, you can check out information about us. We have product, resources, all that good stuff, and that's over at truemission.com. That's T-R-U-M-I-S-S-I-O-N.com. All right. Well, God's got something huge in store for us today. I truly, honestly believe it with everything in me. I will tell you that as I am, uh, as I'm speaking this morning, even right now, I just, I just sense the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is, is speaking right now. Open your heart. Open your heart. He wants us to deal with some heavy things some weighty things this morning. He wants to deal with some areas that both you are aware of and perhaps areas that you're unaware of. And and today, I, I don't want you to check out on me because today's message isn't for the person that's not here. It's for those of us that are here right now. And I believe it. I believe that God's got something huge. 
Now, there's two passages of Scripture that, uh, that we're going to get to uh, this morning. I'm going to camp out over in Ephesians. So uh, if you can find yourself over in Ephesians, I'm going to look at chapter 1 and chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. That's where I'm going to camp out this morning. We're going to look at some things that Paul has to say over there, and again, over Ephesians chapter 1 and, and chapter 2. But before I get there, um, before I get there, I'm going to also be in Romans. So I'm also going to be in Romans. So if, if you want to follow along with me, I had a message. And I sent uh, Pastor Ed all of my notes, um, and I was excited about the message. And then I woke up this morning, and I, as soon as I got up this morning, the Holy Spirit said, I, I, I have a message I'd like to preach this morning, if that's okay. And I said, absolutely, sir, you have, you have the platform, all right? So um, I, I don't have any slides for you on this, but I, so if you'll follow with me, again, I'm going to be over in Ephesians 1 and 2, and then I'm going to be in Romans chapter 12. So Romans chapter 12, and then over in Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2. So Romans chapter Chapter 12, and then back again over in Ephesians. Um, so that's where we're going to be camping out. And if you have those scriptures prepared, if you just open up, we're going to start with our Ephesians uh, verse. So if we're going to start there in Ephesians, then I'll come back to Romans. How about that? We'll do that. We'll start over in Ephesians, come back to Romans. Would you do me a favor in, in reverence to God's word? Would you mind standing to your feet? Would you mind standing to your feet? Ephesians chapter 1, and again, I'm going to go back over to Romans 12 here in a, in a second. So Ephesians chapter 1, it's a lengthy portion of, ver, uh, of Scripture, but just bear with me because we're going to break it down here in our, in our time together. So Ephesians chapter 1, I'm going to start over in verse 19. Again, this is Paul um, writing here. And Paul starts in verse 19. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in a place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. You just pause here, and I just want you to see a progression. Here in verse, verse 20, we see that Christ has been raised from the dead and seated. Dead, raised, seated. I'm going to come back to that here in a moment. Verse 21, now he is far above. Everybody say far above. He is far above any ruler, authority, power, or leader, or anything else, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And God has put all things, everybody say all things, all things under the authority of Christ and has made him the head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body and is made full and complete by Christ who fills everything with himself, everywhere with himself. Chapter 2 now. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world, the spirit that works in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, so rich in mercy, that he loved us so very much, that even while we were dead, because of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. And jump down to verse 10 now. For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we could do the good things he planned for us long ago. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we bow our lives before you. Thanking you, God, that you have a word in season for us today. 
God, I'm ever aware of the fact that while I am speaking, you are yet speaking a a clear message to the hearts of every person listening. So God, give us ears to hear hearts that are open. We say, Holy Spirit, speak your word to our hearts and we'll walk out of this room never the same in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So Paul makes this powerful statement in in verse 10 of chapter 2. He said, you are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus. You are a masterpiece. Look over at your neighbor and say, I'm a work of art. (laughs) You are a masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus, which is a phenomenal passage of Scripture that God would consider us a work of art in his hands. Now, here's the thing. Do we believe it? Now, I, I, want, I, I said that to, to turn your attention now over to Romans. Again, I said it was going to be in Ephesians and in Romans. But over in Romans chapter 12... Again, this is Paul speaking. And Paul makes the statement in verse, uh, start in verse 1. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. sacrifice. The kind that will find acceptable. Truly, this is the way to worship him. And then he goes on, he says, And don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what's God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. It's interesting to me because Paul over in Ephesians, he's telling us uh, that we are, we are a masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus. And then over in Romans, he, he's talking to us about having this transformed mind, this renewing of the mind. You see, when you got saved, when you got saved, something changed on the inside of you. An old person died, and a new person was born. And the the beauty of it is, is you would be able to say, that old man is dead. And it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me. Now, here's the thing about salvation. When you got saved, you were born again, created anew inside. However, nothing on the outside changed. I wish that when you got saved, you grew six inches. I wish that was the case. But what you found was that that if you were vertically challenged before you got saved, (laughs) nothing changed when you got saved. Now, we can begin to comprehend this on the outside, or we have the comprehension of this outside. But I want you to know the same is true about your mind. 
And this is why Paul makes the statement in Romans chapter 12 that you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, here's the thing about this transforming of, and the renewing of your mind. It is an ongoing progression. It, it wouldn't translate well in the Greek because Paul would literally be saying, be being transformed. That is, there's a continual ongoing process of transformation in the mind. I love it because he opens up in, in verse 1 by saying, present your bodies as a sacrifice. You know the thing that, I've, that I understand about a sacrifice a sacrifice is only a sacrifice as long as it stays on the altar. It's hard when you have a moving sacrifice. When the sacrifice is occasionally on the altar and not on the altar. It's only a sacrifice as long as it stays on the altar. Which, again, makes sense when you hear the next verse, be transformed, continually transformed. What Paul is saying, your whole walk with Christ, you're going to have to place your mind on the altar of Christ and allow him to renew it and renew it and renew it and renew it. And the question becomes, why? You see, life has a way of stealing from us. And if we're not careful, we will come to this new birth experience and try to live the new birth experience in an old way of thinking. And the old way of thinking will never lead us in the path of authority that God has called us into. You see, we pick up these things along the way. Let me give you an example. Somewhere... At some place in your life, you, you walked out the door and you thought, I think this outfit looks good. And then somebody spoke to you, perhaps a father. Did you mean to wear that? Ooh, that... Now, did they mean harm by it? Maybe, perhaps. But the nuance that happened in your mind, maybe at a young age, was, I'm not pretty. Maybe they meant to translate it that way. Perhaps they didn't. But it stuck. 
And the thing is, is that in life, we have all of these roads that, that have been created within our minds, these pathways in which we take uh, something that, that happens and we filter it through. And on the outside of that, we, we create for ourselves what, what the outcome is going to be. It's very similar to something I would call the, the thought train. And so let me explain the thought train for you for a moment. And this is so essential as to why, what Paul is trying to get us to understand. Words create thoughts. These thoughts... Build an emotion, a belief. And it's from this belief that we have action. And it's from the action over time that we create our habits. And our habits over time create for us our character. And our character over time determines our destiny. So the way the thought train works, if you do not like the destiny that you are heading towards, then you reverse the train. If you don't like the destiny that you're heading towards, then you, in turn, you have to change your character. If you're going to change your character, you have to change your habits. If you're going to change your habits, you have to change your actions. If you're going to change your actions, you have to change your beliefs. If you're going to have to change your, uh, to change your beliefs, you've got to change your thoughts. If you're going to change your thoughts, you have to change your words. Because my thoughts, my, I'm sorry, my words become my thoughts. My thoughts become my beliefs. My beliefs become my actions. My actions become my habits. My habits become my character. And my character determines my destiny. So Paul says, be transformed. So Paul says, let's come over here. And let's make this match what God has said. But we come with all sorts of baggage. You ever wondered what, to yourself why Sister Bubbles has been in church 40 years and she is as mean and nasty and snotty And you think to yourself, Sister Bubbles, girl, you should have got this 30 years ago. Like you're trying to avoid, she doesn't exist at Eastern. <laughs> but you see her coming, man. You see Sister Bubbles coming like, oh, man, how am I going to avoid She's got, she, she has the, you know, the thing, and it's like, I can't get around her. I don't know. I can juke her, but she, she's just going to move that thing. Like, ah. Well, what is it about Sister Bubbles? She's hurting. 
She's been hurting for a long, long time. She got into a church. She got saved. I'm not doubting salvation. I'm not doubting she's filled with the spirit. I'm not doubting the healing work of, of Christ is in her life. What I am saying, though, is she's not been renewed. She still has hurt because there's an insecure little girl inside of her that at one point her father just degraded her mother in front of her, constantly degrading, and then he began to bring his wrath on her, and she grew up in a household where dad was not loving in the least bit, and now there's this bitterness and anger inside of her, and to a little degree she has dealt with it, but to the greater degree she has not dealt with it, and so now... Every time she views something, she views it through the jaded lens of bitterness. And she's been in church 40, 50, 60 years. But how, how does it change? You have to lay it at the altar and constantly leave it there. I remember as a as a kid dealing with this myself. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that my mother was 12 years old when she ran off with my father. My mother was at a young age was being raped and abused by her stepfather. To escape the abuse, she met my father, who was in his late 20s. She met him, a Mexican migrant worker coming through town in the state of Texas. She ran off with him at 12. At 13, she got pregnant. When my father found out that she was pregnant, he beat her because he was trying to make her have a miscarriage because he was afraid. What if the law found out what he had done. My mother tried to go back home, but, but the problem was, is again, my father was a Mexican migrant worker, but my mother is Caucasian, and in her household, there was a deep-bedded root of racism. She wasn't allowed back into the house because she carried, according to her family, she carried an abomination, a mixed-breed child in her belly. She turned 14 by a few days. My mother's birthday is January 26th. My birthday is February 5th. She was just a little over 14 years old when she gave birth to me in a public clinic in Houston, Texas. And I, can, I, I wish I could tell you that, that when, she, when the hospital wrapped up that little boy and handed her uh, handed him to her that she walked out the door and there was a family waiting to take her in, but she walked out the door not knowing where to go. I grew up with her. We experienced every form of abuse that you could possibly experience in our household. Every form. 
I remember one of my stepfathers, and there were many that came through the house. The preacher, is, he, he was standing on that wooden altar, and he came off that wooden altar. He said, can I help you, son? I fell into his arms, and I said, I'm a mess. I just want to change. I'm tired of carrying the anger. To a 17-year-old kid now selling drugs full-time for his uncles in the family business, thinking that that is all life had for him, I met Jesus at the altar. Now, let me tell you something about this Jesus I met at the altar. I understood what he did in here. But it took me years to fix some of the things that were happening in here. I remember being in a session with a Christian counselor. Do these chairs move? Or, or, or am, I, am I able to grab a couple of chairs? I just need, like, do they move? Awesome. I remember being in a scene with a counselor, and I just, with a counselor, and I just need to grab another. I love that uh, pastor. Isn't that awesome, man? The thing from the uh, representative. That's so cool. All right. Uh, it's right there. That's so cool. All right. Um, you know, if you were in my district, I would have liked one of those, but <laughs> I remember being in a therapy session. Somebody's like, yeah, I could see that. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the therapist laid it out the room out like this. It was just him and myself. And at this time I was struggling because I didn't feel good. By good, I, I, I felt broken, abnormal. I felt not good enough. If I did something, I felt like a failure. I'm pastoring at this time, but I feel like a failure. I'm not a good pastor. These would be my words. I'm not a good pastor. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good father. I'm not a good friend. I'm just not good. I remember my therapist, he sets up this scene. He says, here's the courtroom. He said, here's, here, here's the prosecutor. Here's the defense. He said, we're running this with courtroom procedure and hearings. So let us begin. Ray, take your seat as the prosecutor and tell me why you're not good. I have flaws, faults, sin, shame, 
I, I, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. When done, he said, does the prosecution then rest? Prosecution rest, I guess, yeah. And remember, he said, now take the seat in the defense. And I remember I was a little bit frustrated. I'm going to be honest. I was a little bit frustrated because I was like, I don't have time for these games. He said, please get up and take the defense. I sat down in the defense. And he said, pretend for a moment we're not talking about you. Pretend that the person sitting there was your son. What would you say to him when he told you? He feels like a failure. What would you tell him? I said, that's not fair. That, that's, that's not fair. We're not talking about my son. We're talking about me. And he said, we are talking about a son. What would you tell him? You're stronger than your failures. You are braver than your fears. And he said, what is happening when you think that to yourself, about yourself? I said, I want to say that. And he said, then I command you to be silent in my courtroom. You, the prosecutor, can no longer have a say. You have rested your case. When we were done, he said, having heard both sides, I conclude you are a good father. You're a good husband. You're a good man. John writes in Revelation chapter 11, 12, 12. Verse 10. It has come at last salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. The accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down, and the one that accuses them before God day and night, and they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. How do you silence? The voice of the accuser. So that you could hear the voice of the father. How do you silence his voice? Back to Ephesians. Paul says. 
Ephesians 1, verse 20. For Christ died. He died. I mean, you think about this God that we serve that comes into our world. John would say it this way in John chapter 1. He was saying, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And I love how Eugene Peterson, in his, paraf- uh, in his paraphrase of the message, how he words it. And he said, and the word became put on flesh and blood and, and moved into our neighborhood. God moved into the chaos of our brokenness. Into the chaos of addiction, of shame, abuse. Into the craziness of the, of, the, of, the, of the voices that we allow to dominate our minds and our hearts. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You're not talented enough. You don't have it. You can never. And he entered into this mess and died. And then Paul shows us In verse 20, that then he was raised, raised to life, and then seated. And where was he seated? The right hand of the Father, far above. Far above what? Power, principality, power, might, dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Paul says, over every, every power that has ever, ever ruled or will ever rule, every authority that's ever had authority or ever will have authority, everything, he is far above. He's far above anxiety. He's far above depression. He's far above addiction. He's far above stress. He's far above the wrong view of self. He's far above. Our Christ is seated. Now, I love it because in, ch- in chapter 2, when we read it, and you were dead to your sins and trespasses. You lived just like the rest of the world. But God's so rich in mercy for us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. And we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And then we were made alive and anew because of Christ Jesus. And then he says, and we were made to be seated with him in heavenly realms. Where are you seated? You are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. 
Where are you seated? You are seated with Christ in heavenly realms. And where is Christ located? Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So where are you seated? You are seated far above addiction. You're seated far above pain and the stress and the anxiety and the brokenness. You're seated far above. What Paul is trying to awaken within us all is, will you come to the understanding of truly who you are and stop allowing the chaos of down here to define who you are in there? And I'm telling you, as, 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 as Christ is on the throne, this is, this is an assured thing for you. The moment you discover who you are in Christ, the moment you find your right position, all of hell will begin to tremble because suddenly the devil knows he no longer has you under his control. He no longer has you under his thumb. Suddenly he's realizing there is a blood-bought, born-again, spirit-filled, God-fearing, living individual who understands that they are a son and a daughter of the Most High God, seated with him in heavenly realms, having authority to say unto this mountain, be thou removed, having the authority to bind on earth what will be bound in heaven and to loose on earth what will be loosed in heaven. They finally discovered what Jesus was trying to tell them all from the beginning. The kingdom of God is with you now because it's in you. What happens when we choose to live here? Allowing this to shape us. Allowing this to dictate who we are, where our position is. Hold on a second. I'm not allowing a confused and broken world to tell me where my place is. This is what Paul talks about living on two planes almost. He says we're a citizen of this world, but we're not of this world. Yes. Like, like, I'm sorry. He says we're, we're here in this world, but we're a citizen of heaven. Yes. What he's trying to get us to understand is, yeah, we're, we're here. We're, we're, we're in. We're, the, imagine with you made two streams. There's this stream down here in which people think is the reality, but this is not reality. This is just the stream of a moment in time, and this moment in time will eventually pass away, but there is a stream that lasts for all eternity, and there is a stream that is the rock of ages that never fails, that was and is and will always be, and there is a stream found in the great I, I am that I am, that I be because I choose to be. I exist because I exist. I am who I am. And it's in that stream as where I get my understanding. 
So what happens? How does it flesh itself out? So when the world is losing their mind about the economy, I'm not losing my mind about the economy because I understand this. I get my signal from another stream and the other stream says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed begging bread. And when you bring your tithe into the storehouse, see if I don't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that the world cannot even begin to contain. I, that's where I get my signal. That's why I don't care who gets into it. Sorry about this. I don't care who gets in the office or who doesn't get into office. I know this. My signal is not based upon who's in office or who's not in office. My signal is based upon the one who is and will always be. Kings and kingdoms will pa all pass away, but there is a kingdom that will last throughout decades, throughout seasons, throughout generations, and it's his kingdom that I get my signal from. I'm not talking about an arrogance. I'm talking about an understanding who you are. It's what Jesus, and can the, the worship guys come on back to the stage? In John chapter 8, Jesus is speaking and he's talking and he says that, that he's the light of the world. The religious leaders hear this and say, you can't say that about yourself. And Jesus' response to them was, yeah, I can. And he says, He says to them, John 8, verse 14, these claims are valid even if, though I say them about myself. For I know who I am and where I came from. You don't know this about me because you don't know me. I know who I am. And I know where I came from. You can have an opinion about me, but you don't know me. You can have a thought about me, but your thought doesn't define me. You can let all the bitterness and anger and rage and unforgiveness in your heart. You can, you can unleash it on me, but don't get it twisted. You will not abuse me. You will not invalidate me. You will not make me walk around with a limp for the rest of my life because you couldn't get your stuff fixed. It's not going to happen anymore because I had one that died for me and you never died for me. I had one that rose for me and you never rose for me. And I had one that was seated for me and you were never seated for me. And I had one that allowed me to be seated with him and you've not allowed me a seat at your table, but he allows me a seat at his table. And it's because of him I live and move and have my being. And because I'm found in him I know where I came from and I know where I'm going can you say that with confidence I know who I am and I know where I come from I know who I am 
And I know where I come from. I'm not talking about, yeah, Ray, I come from the wrong side of the tracks. No, no, no. You come from him. It's what happened when you came to the altar and you said, Jesus, be Lord. He said, then be new. And let me tell you about this new being that's inside of you. Let me tell you where you came from. Let me tell you what's yours. You are a son of the Most High, a daughter of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? first call will set you up for the second. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, or maybe at one point you said, Jesus, be Lord, but you've walked away from him. And today you would say, I need that experience where I just come before and say, Jesus, I'm yours. All across this room, I'm going to give you an invitation. Say a prayer with me. And I want you to mean it with everything in your heart. Would you say this with me? And guys, you that have said this before, would you help me in leading them in this prayer? Would you help me in leading them in this so that when they're saying it out loud, they don't have to be embarrassed by the person sitting next to them? Are they going to hear me saying it? Know that they could say it with clarity and purity of heart. Would you help me in leading them? Say this with me. Jesus, I come before you. And I admit I've sinned. And for this, I'm so sorry. Jesus, you are the Son of God. I invite you to be Lord of my life. I am all yours. In Jesus' name. I'm going to do several calls now. Would you all stand to your feet? I'm going to do several calls. Some of you, I don't even have to make a call right now. You just know I need to get to the altar. You just start working your way out. Come on down. You just know. I, you don't have to say a word, Ray. I know what I need to get fixed right now. I know there's some healing that needs to take place right now. How do, I, how do you know if you need to be down here? If you don't have a clear understanding, if you couldn't say it with 100% of your heart, I know who I am and I know where I came from, please join us at the altar. God's going to start a work today. How do I know if I need to be down there? If I walked up to you after service today and I said to you, you are an amazing woman of God. You are beautiful. You have purpose and destiny. If I said to that to you and you pushed back a little bit and you said, I'm not beautiful, you need to be down here. You don't know completely who you are. If 
I said, ma'am, you have value. You have purpose in your life. And you, put, you would push back inside a little bit and say, I, I don't know that about me. Listen to me. You have breath in your lungs. He's not done with you yet. You need to get down here and discover. I need to know who I am. How do you know if you need to be down here? Sir, if I walked up to you after service and I said, you mighty man of valor, you have a strength and a courage inside of you that inspires. I tell you what, guy, God has huge things in store for you. If you were to look back at me and say, I don't know that that's true about my life, won't you join me down here at the altar? If you still replay the abuse over and over and over, you need to be down here at the altar. If you want to be freed from the addiction, get down here at the altar. To the person that has been struggling with depression, get down here at the altar. Get down here. To the person you hear the voice, and it's the accuser day and night, night and day, day and night. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You're a bad father. You're a bad husband. You're a bad wife. You're, you're, you're a bad mother. And you hear it over and over and over and over again. It's time to silence his voice. Get down here at the altar. Father, we pause. Holy Spirit, invite. Move. Come on, I feel like there's just a few more. Don't let this moment pass you by. Jesus. Jesus. For those that are walking in strength and victory, would you join your brothers and sisters? Just come up behind them. Gently lay your hand. Come on, some of them are struggling. Are struggling this morning. Would you, would you work your way out of your seats? Find somebody that's standing. I'm talking, if you, 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 you're feeling in your experience in victory of everything I'm saying right now, I'm, I need some fathers and some mothers uh, of, that, that, that have experienced breakthrough in their life to come behind some of our brothers and sisters that are standing here this morning saying, I need to know who I am and where I come from. in the name of Jesus to every woman and man 
every child that is under the sound of my voice right now. For those here standing and kneeling at the altar and for those that are surrounding this auditorium who can't, who are having a hard time right now even walking down to this altar, that are struggling in their hearts and saying, God, I just meet me where I'm standing right now. Father, I thank you that your presence is here. We break every stronghold. We tear down every lie. We break right now the power of the accuser of the brethren and we say no more. No more in Jesus' name. No more in Jesus' name. We break bitterness right now. We break abuse right now. We break the effects that addiction has had. We break the uh, effects that abuse has had in our lives. Right now we lay it at the altar. And we say, Holy Spirit, do a work. May your burning fire consume this sacrifice right now. May I be overwhelmed and overcome by the voice of your Spirit speaking to me right now that silences that voice of the accuser. And Father, we're going to have a testimony that's going to come out of this. What the enemy has meant for evil, you are going to turn into good, God. It's going to, what the enemy meant to destroy us, it will now become our testimony and it's upon this testimony that we will say it's upon this testimony that we will say that we overcame the accuser by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony we speak it and we declare it right now in the name of Jesus we break the power of depression in Jesus name we say depression you have to go suicidal thoughts you stop today in Jesus name right Right now, the accuser is being silenced in Jesus' name.